Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I kind of want to tell the story of the, uh, you know, of the whole, you know, the whole book a little, you know, basically, and then just uh, pick one passage of Scripture, but we'll read that uh, here in just a minute. And this is uh, something that, you know, I just felt like, you know, God wanted to, uh, wanted to remind us of today, wanted to, to minister to us, and uh, I want to talk just for a little bit about, uh, about who's on the other line in our relationship with God, and the reality um, of God as a person, a person who is not just an inanimate system, right? He's not just an inanimate object, he's not just a, uh, he's not just you know, a faceless, lifeless, you know, without personality. He's not just something that's there because sometimes you almost think of God as like gravity or just a, a force of nature, you know, a force of super nature, right? It's kind of easy to, to, to start to view him in that way that, you know, God is, you know, yeah, he's God. He's just there. It's not, he's not really a person. He doesn't really think like we do. He doesn't act like we do. He's not affected like we are. So it doesn't really uh, matter as much. I know that I should do right for my own sake, but he's not really affected by my choices or by how I, you know, how, how I do things. Like, he doesn't care. I'm just there. Like, he won't let me in heaven if I do bad, you know, and, 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 but it's just, it's very clinical, my relationship with God. It's easy for people to make it like that. They make their relationship with God very clinical. You know, yes, no, if God is, if, if I'm doing right, then I'm in right relationship with him, and I get a, you know, get a hall pass, and if not, then it doesn't really affect him that much. That is not the nature of God. That is not how God views us and how he interacts with us. God is, God feels things on a level that you can't even understand, you can't even comprehend. Everything, the, the sharpest pain that you've ever felt, uh, the, the deepest joy that you've ever experienced is a shadow of what God experiences. You understand that? He feels things on a level that you could never understand. And I, there, there was a picture, and I, I've seen it before, I think I even shared it before, of this... Uh, this guy who had uh, his his you know his girlfriend, very serious girlfriend, break up with him, you know, which happens, you know, especially as you're young, you know, people go through you know heartbreak and you know that that that's that's a thing. It happens, but the difference was he was wearing a Fitbit. You ever seen those? Seen a Fitbit? My wife has a Fitbit. I do not have one. Like I just. Yeah, she tracks it, you know, while she's sleeping, sees what her heart rate is, and then you can kind of plug it into the computer, and you see, ah, okay, this is where my target heart rate's up, this is where it's down, yada, yada, yada. Um, He was wearing this Fitbit when she uh, broke up with him. And so for the, maybe for the first time ever, you could see somebody's heartbreak. And it was kind of a huge bummer, like, you know, I saw that, I was like, oh, man, because the heart rate spiked, and it kind of did something weird, and it went up into a different zone, and, and, and like, you know, it just, there was a physiological change of someone's heart actually breaking, and I was like, wow, that really brought it kind of, wow, you know, because we, we, we think, you know, it's just something that's in my head, it's not real, it's something that I feel, it's emotions, but his heart actually started thumping differently. His heart really was affected by this girl breaking up with him. I was thinking, as physiological heartbreak. That's crazy. There really is such a thing as physiological heartbreak. And I, and I know that God hates that when his people suffer. When his people walk through, when we were at Friday night at the Forge, a lot of people talked about difficult things in their life, stuff that they had walked through. 
And all I could think about when I was talking, you know, today or preparing to talk was how God felt during each of these things that my brothers and sisters kind of shared in that intimate setting of just, you know, in home, um, you know, brothers and sisters talking about what God has done and, and brought them through. And I was like, well, how did God feel in those times? Because we think like he is just there, you know, doling out a little bit of grace, but not affected. But man, he was there with you. You think back to the things that hurt you the most, the times when you were the most lonely, the times when you were the most confused or hurt or abandoned or whatever it is. He was there. He felt it with you. He's real. And you don't just get to turn that off whenever we want to act like a fool. That's not how it works. You don't get to just share the, you know, the pain and the intimacy and the, and the love that comes with a, relation, a real relationship with God. You know, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Someone who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. You don't get to just switch that off and change the setting to where he doesn't tune in to all of the other things. Whenever we decide to stray, whenever we decide to sin, when we decide to disappoint him willfully. God wants, he does want for you to be, uh, to be whole, to be happy relationally. Sometimes, you know, through marriage, sometimes through friendship, but always through him. That's the real source of our joy. And I thought about Adam from the very, very beginning. Think about this. Um, Adam was so tuned, God was so tuned in to Adam's feelings and was so present that he knew Adam was lonely before Adam did. Let me say that again. God was so in tune, and so he knew what was going on, and he was just looking at him, just like, this is my guy. This is, you know, I'm in you know, covenant fellowship with him. I love him. I'm for him. And, and I know even before he even knows what he's missing, I am already making plans because I am, God is thinking, I'm so tuned into what Adam's going through and where his heart is and, and the incompleteness of his life. I'm so tuned into that that he doesn't even know. He's off napping. He's off, he's off, you know, chasing the animals around. You're having a good time, just eating, playing around. But God was always saying, no, no, no. I can see, I can see his heart break a mile away, even before it happened, before he even knew that he had that need. Adam didn't, think about this. Adam didn't ask for a help meet. No wonder the Bible talks about how even the needs, you know, before we even ask, he's aware of them. He's aware and he cares. That is someone who is highly invested in a relationship. Sometimes we struggle to even care when they do say something. He cares even when they don't. He cares about us, amen? He was so tuned in. Adam didn't even ask. He didn't. You know, and Adam, think about this. If Adam had tried to make um, Eve he had tried to fill that void in his own life, in his own heart, it would have ended hilariously, I would think. You know? And kind of sad, right? Kind of pitiful. Think about Adam trying to make Eve himself, trying to fill the void in his own life. We, we do that. And oftentimes it ends just as sadly, sometimes just as hilariously as if we because we can't do that we can't fill those voids for ourselves we have to we have to lean into god amen if adam had, what, what if adam had tried to make eve out of dirt yeah and just tried, tried to make his own help me only god can 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 give us what we really need amen 
So there's a, a picture that my sister sent to me yesterday, and it's an abomination. Have you seen these Facebook, uh, not Facebook, but uh, snap face filters? Yeah, yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do no snap face. So, yeah, it's these filters. Some of you, some of you are, look very bewildered, so let me back up. Snapchat is where you can uh, take a picture of yourself and send it, you know, to other people. And uh, sometimes you can put a filter on, which will give you, you know, like bunny ears or whatever. I don't have one. I don't know. But I, I know I've seen it. So, and you can like put a hat on and some of them, sometimes it'll change your face to look scary and it just kind of morphs your face. It's really crazy looking. And so apparently she was out running and was trying on the, was new filter that kind of makes you look like a dude. Accidentally. Yeah, right. So, you know, she, and, and, she, so she, and she sends me this. Um, go ahead, sis. Yo, what is that abomination? That, stand up and turn around. Give him a big smile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it caught the moment of terror. Who does that look like, though? I know, that's what bothers me the most. That is 100% me. That is somebody. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, thanks, dude. Get that abomination out of there, man. Get, put a scripture up or something. But you know, as I was preparing this morning, I was like, that's... <laughs> What if Adam had tried to make something and it looked like him and it was a girl version? <laughs> and it was so horrible. <laughs> oh, we have fun. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's what I look like, or she looks like as a boy, is me. And I, it's, that, that was a filter and it sent to me. And I was sitting there with Casey and we were working on something. And I was like, yo, yuck, dude. And then I showed him. He was like, ugh. Yep. He's like, but dude, that's you. See, whenever you try to change things, oh, watch me bring it all the way around. Because here's the thing. That's kind of what I feel like it would have been if Adam had tried to fit, you know, fulfill his own destiny and, and try and give himself what he needed you know, with his own. And then thank God that, he, that, that Adam wasn't in. You know, he just took a nap. Some of y'all need to take a nap. Take a rest of trying to fulfill your own destiny in God and allow him to start to bring these things, you know, in, into your life, whatever that may be. It may be your season, maybe your time, maybe God's already doing that. Praise God if he is. But we need to make sure that it's him because he makes Eve. And Adam says, that's what I'm talking about. That's a lot better than the, than the mud pie looking face that I could have made in my own strength. You know, it is of me. It's a part of me. It's from my own rib. And so it definitely bears the similarity, but it complements and it's beautiful and it's perfect. Amen. See, Adam couldn't make his destiny no matter how hard he tried. And he couldn't find it no matter how hard he looked. So you cannot fabricate your own true joy and purpose. All that you can do is tap into the one that God has destined for you. God cared about Adam's heart and was more in tune with it than even Adam was. So God, God's right there. Takes care of Adam, does him a solid. It's actually God who is on the receiving end of the pain of heartbreak initially. I told the story not, not super long ago, but... Uh, 
who really reminded me of it's uh, these uh, you know this young man who's in the truck you know in the cab with his uh, with his new bride the wife and he's got his arm around her and they're just going down you know one of the old bench seats you know like maybe maybe like a 50 or 48 Chevy like that you know the wood on the back and they got his arm around her and they're happy newlyweds just you know cruising down the road and then as time goes on you know they get older and years and years and years later they start and she looks over and she now sits you know over in her seat and he sits in his seat and she looks at him and says remember when we used to sit so close together and you'd have your arm around me remember when when we did when and that's how it was and the old farmer just said i haven't moved Yeah, I haven't moved. I wonder if there's somebody here today saying, man, I remember when I used to pray, when I used to feel the Spirit of God in a powerful way. I used to walk in the confidence of His victory. I used to, I used to be on fire for God, man. I just, I felt, uh, I, I felt strong in my faith. And you, know, and, you, and you think back, I wonder what happened. I wonder why I don't feel what I used to feel. I wonder why I don't walk quite like I used to walk. And God would say to you today, in love, not in judgment, not in judgment, not, not in cruelty and anger. He would say, uh, with a little bit of a broken heart in His voice, He would say, I haven't moved, my son. I haven't moved, daughter. I, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we started this journey, you, you, you held tight to me. And, and you walked hand in hand and arm in arm with me in close communion and fellowship. But as things happen, as time goes on, you have moved, not me. Oh, the heart of God. The heart of God. He does feel this story is tough to explain you know in just a few minutes but uh, it is the story of Hosea and of Gomer and it's a lot to take in you know to really break it down and then and keep you it, but it's the story of whenever God called a prophet a man of God um, to live a terrible shared experience prophetically of what it meant to marry someone who you knew was going to be unfaithful so he marries this uh, this woman who is you know um, she is a prostitute and so he kind of pulls her out of that lifestyle and uh, and marries her and they have a child together and then she does you know as this you know as you, if those of you who have read it you know and you understand she she just kind of you know fades away, loses that close intimacy with him, and then begins to walk in a different way, begins to walk in a way that's not faithful to her, you know, to her spouse. And then the heartbreak sets in, and she ends up suffering terribly, terribly, because she's drawn away, and next thing you know, she's been enslaved, literally enslaved. And that's the thing, the point where you don't have the option to get too far away from God. Sometimes, like, you know, it's, it really, it gets to the point where you don't have the option to go back hardly anymore, like, in your own self. And you need God to get you out of that, that position that sometimes we wind up in. And it's not God, you know, putting the shackles on, but sometimes we just get so broken and we get so, so, so wound up in, in difficult things that we just hardly don't even have the ability to free ourselves. And we need the blood of Jesus. We need the Spirit of God to come to where we are. And, you know, we, we love the story 
the prodigal son, but I do remember um, as he ran, Brother Steve made the point that it's very possible the reason why he sees his son coming up the road and he runs to him, he maybe didn't even have the strength to get home. And God's grace closes the gap between where we are and where he is, praise God, because it wasn't in my own strength that I stood up and changed my life and turned it around. It was because he found me. He left the 99 for the one, and I was that one. I am the least of anyone in here, and that's, that, that is the truth. None of us have any grace or any power or any holiness to which we can you know, lay claim, not in ourself, not in myself. I could list my sins, but thank God that he threw them behind his back, and he doesn't care. I am no... I'm nothing and no one save the grace of God. And I didn't go and find it. It found me. It found me bound and unable to do anything in my own strength. He found me. And he looks for us all. So the story of Hosea it continues on. And, uh, and, and Hosea goes and then he purchases her you know out of his own wealth out of his own you know a sacrifice to him he, he buys her back brings her back into into his life and into covenant fellowship and the grace that he shows there um, is playing out the story that God is is trying to tell his entire people about how they've strayed they've worshiped false gods and they've done this and they've done that and and, and they've separated themselves from communion but that he still loves them he loves them in their sin, and he wants them to come back unto him. And it's so easy to say, well, I'd never do that, what she did exactly. But pump the brakes, because what is God actually talking about? It's pretty expansive, the things that we do to break God's heart. I think that we have all, I know that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And even in the walk that we're in, no matter how advanced you are, I'm not saying that you have to fall into gross sin and do, you know, but I am saying there are still going to be days where your head hits the pillow and you say, I wish I could get a mulligan on this day. I wish I could get a spiritual do-over because today was a disappointment to God. See, today was a little bit of a disappointment to me. Most of all, to spurn God and walk away. It's hard to watch the story unfold. It's hard to watch to, to read the book of Hosea, you know, because you, especially if you know how it ends. You know, it, it ends well, but you know what's in the middle, right? There's some some stories like, you know, like the you know the the story at the Alamo. You know, as exciting as it is, and you know how awesome and patriotic. You know, everybody in there's gonna die, and so it's kind of a bummer. It's a hard one to you know to listen to, like the you know the Titanic or you know, the story of Julius Caesar, these end in tragedy, and you know, it's, it's hard to, to get through them because you know the disappointment. People really do have heartbreak. Now, we talked about, uh, talked about the fact that, you know, people really do have heartbreak. You know, you can even see it physiologically on a Fitbit when the guy uh, had his heart broken. Um, and we all know that anyway, right? You know? We've had our, our heart broken in one way or the other. It may not be relationally. It may not be, you know, in that kind of situation. But we have gone through loss and disappointment and hurt. So here's the thing. I need you to superimpose what you felt and then allow God to fill that, that space, how he feels. 
because if he doesn't hurt when we walk away, then he doesn't really love when we come home. Can't have it both ways. If he doesn't hurt when we leave, he doesn't really love when we come home. And I know that he does love us. I know that he does, that his heart, that his heart is full of joy whenever you know, one sinner comes to God. Yes, God feels. Psalm 7 and 11 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. God gets mad. Do you get mad? God gets mad. Uh, a higher level of anger is wrath. That's whenever you're really angry, really mad. Furious. Romans 2 and 5 but says, in accordance with the hardness of your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation. John 3.16, what's that say? Somebody. For God so loved. Exodus 34 and 14 says that uh, he experiences jealousy. You ever, you ever been jealous of anything? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I have. I'm trying to think what I have been jealous of way back. I was jealous of uh, this one kid at school when I was really little of his micro machines. Anyone remember these? Yes, amen. All right, brothers. No one else? You don't know what micro machines are? Micro machines are these little, uh, they're kind of like Legos except for smaller little toys and there was like soldiers and different stuff. So they're micro machines. And I remember what I did because of that jealousy. We went to Walmart and I, I waited till no one was looking. And I opened up the package and I filled my pockets with these micro machines because mom wouldn't get them for me. <laughs> no, because I was a rotten little sinner. <laughs> Why? That, I'm just saying that's the causality. Like, you know, that, yeah, that's yeah, the cause and effect. Rotten little heathen. And I remember, Phil, I, I'll never forget what I did. And you know, I stole because I was jealous because he had these. I filled my little pockets with micro machines and left, went right out. God is not jealous like that. God is jealous in a different way. It's a holy way, but God uh, says, um, no other gods before me. No other gods before me. And let me tell you something about humanity. There's some good stuff that we do and a lot of rotten stuff that we can do. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the more nasty uh, you know, traits where you almost sit back and be like, wow, that's almost impressive if it wasn't so sinful, um, is the fact that we can make a God out of anything. We can put a false crown on anything. We can put, a, put anything in a throne above God. We can, make, we can make the most inane, wonderful things into a sin. Thank God for the blessing of college football in the fall. But some people can turn it into a sin and start to play, you know, and now their whole world revolves around that. Oh, we, 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 can, make a, we can make a job our God. Next thing you know, we're sacrificing to it. We're, 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 we're giving it a higher place of importance. And then we have all kinds of great reasons why, you know, well, I mean, yeah, I got I to gotta do this. I, gotta, yeah, I know, but, but really, you can, be a, you can be the hardest and best worker and most successful without putting it on the throne of your life. Amen? And I know there, there are times, you know, where you, gotta, you, gotta have, you make sacrifices. But where's your heart at? Exodus 33 and 19, right, at, or right before the jealousy, God has compassion. Sting of betrayal. God feels pain. Disappointment. God can be disappointed. You ever been disappointed? 
disappointed in something or someone. Like really, really, because you know, uh, getting a whooping is bad. But whenever, whenever you know, Dad says, "You know, I'm disappointed in you." And sometimes he's saying that just because he knows, like you know, that's the thing to say. But other times, you know, because here's the thing: like, if it, you can't really be that disappointed if it didn't surprise him at all. But there are times, you know, maybe you growing up, whenever you looked at your dad and you, or your mom and you said, "You know what? They actually are disappointed in me. They actually thought I was better than this. They thought I would. They didn't think that I would do this thing." And I did. And that is crushing. You know? Truly disappointed. I thought, I, I didn't think that you would do that bad thing. I thought higher of you. That's rough, man. Ooh. God says uh, in Genesis that it repented him that he had made mankind. See? Now, it's not like it caught him by surprise because he's all-knowing. But he still felt the feelings. Right? Some things don't surprise us, but it still hurts. You know, that it doesn't really shock me because, you know, I know, but oh, it still hurts. Yeah, that's how God felt when he saw all the people, how they'd gone into wickedness, um, just disappointed. Psalm says that God hates a lying tongue and haughty eyes. He feels sadness to see the world pain and groan. He feels sadness. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So God feels joy. And not only does he feel such joy that, uh, you know, that, that there's enough to siphon off to all of us to give us strength. That's how strong the, the feeling that he actually has. When it, you know, the joy of the Lord is where I derive my strength from. So it, it, he, it's real. He feels that. He feels, you know, how much joy does he feel whenever a sinner uh, who, who is strayed comes home? Nothing gives him more joy than that, than to see the sacrifice of his only begotten son yield the fruit of res- restoration over another one of you know, the children that have strayed and done wrong. Delight, happiness. I don't, you know, that's, we don't use uh, that word a lot. You know, delight. When was the last time you used delight in a sentence? Huh? Sunny delight. Okay, that's right. For some reason, I thought Darian was going to say delights are on or something like that. <laughs> but we don't use that word a lot. So what's a, what's a word that you would kind of use more so? I would, I would say just happy, you know, amped up, like, you know, joy, um, passion, excitement, delight. The Lord's delight is in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. Amen. But there's someone on the on the other side of the line. And that kind of does put a different spin on things. Here's what, you know, I don't really necessarily have like certain expectations for the end of our message today other than that we would understand as a body that, yo, God hears, he feels and he's not just here. He's with me all throughout the week and the things that I do that please him do please him, but the things that I do that disappoint and that hurt him, that, you know, and it's not to say that God is just, you know, waiting to smack you. I'm just saying that he's with you, you know, there, there's, he, he's with you and he cares and he loves you whenever you do things that separate you from him, that affects him. There is a real God on the other side of your relationship with him. There is somebody who actually is like just sitting there and as you go throughout your day, you know, it's a Tuesday morning, you know, at 1132, I don't know, where are you? What are you doing? I don't know, but God is just kind of sitting there like this, looking at you. He's still there. Doesn't that feel kind of weird? Whenever you're being smart, Alec, and you're going back and forth, you know, with your spouse. You know? He's still there. 
Whenever you're disappointed, maybe whenever you're walking away from him, he is still there. He's just, he's there in the middle of it. God is real. God's heart can break, can, can be affected by the things that we do. Most importantly, if you have walked away from him and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he longs for you to come back home. Amen? There's actually someone who loves you on the other side of this relationship. Because we're so guilty of uh, just assuming that he doesn't feel those things and that, you know, it just flips off like a switch. It doesn't. He's invested for the long haul. There's a book that was later made into a movie called Ender's Game. Mostly kid stuff. But uh, it was, I think Orson Scott Card wrote that book like way back in the 80s. And the story is like uh, this kid, basically kind of like a drone. You know how people will like sit in a room in Nevada, and then but they're actually piloting a drone that's going over, you know, in the Middle East and fighting. It's a really, it's wild what can happen. So all the way back in 1985, this guy is kind of, uh, you know, writing that as science fiction. And the story is there's this kid who's just a really basically good drone fighter, and he's a real, he's a little kid, and so he's he's operating that, and. Uh, you know, he's fighting against all the bad guys in the simulation, in training, because someday he'll grow up and be able to fight, you know, the bad guys for real. So he's sitting in there, and he gets so good at it that he wipes out the whole enemy fleet and the whole enemy world and everything, just completely, you know, wipes everything out. And then in the end of the story, they shut down the simulation and then shake his hand and say, you did that for real. You killed everybody. And he's like, destroyed over it because he thought it was a game. He thought it was a simulation, but really he was actually doing that in real time. And so then I had like a three-hour-long you know, argument over the ethics of that with like one of my friends. And it just, I don't know why I was just thinking about that, how all of a sudden he realized that everything, everything that he did had a real reaction in the real world, you know, in a different place, in a different way, and that it was real. It wasn't a simulation. It wasn't just all about you and in your head. And I thought, how often do we live that way whenever we're considering God? And then I just pray that the Holy Spirit would pull back the wool over our, you know, from over our eyes and let us understand the import and the impact of the decisions that we make and how we treat our lives. Because God loves you. He is affected by what we do for good and for bad. And so we ought to live knowing that when we stray, it does break God's heart. Hosea 11 and 8 says, you know, it's God prophetically saying, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How is stirred? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. Because it's almost like God is God's just you know, to himself. Like, what, what do you want me to do? How can I love you? I care about you. I sent my only son to, to, so this didn't have to be a thing that we could walk in closeness of fellowship again, that we could be together, that you didn't have to walk and you didn't have to be separate from me. Why do you stray? Why do you walk away? Why do you just turn off the radio and pretend like I can't hear? Why do you just drop the curtain and pretend like I can't see? I am with you. I am aware. 
Why do you treat me like I'm something that you can just duck into and duck out of on your own time? Don't you understand, my people, that I am walking with you all the time and you break my heart? You don't only break my heart. You give me joy and I love you and I want to walk in newness of life and fellowship with you. I want to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Why do you pretend like you can just all of a sudden press pause and then live with an unconnected life to my heart? And God sits there and he thinks, but and what can I do? I, I, I can't not feel these things. My heart is broken, but my sympathy is stirred. All together, God still loves us. So yes, maybe we should leave here encouraged and blessed in the Lord, but sober and understanding that God is real. God feels. God is connected to each and every one of us, and not just on our good days. Amen? But never forget the grace of God throughout all of this. What is God's solution? I've told you the truth about how God is affected, but know this, that story ends after all that, he has, that she has done wrong, everything that she's done to break the heart of Hosea. Hosea goes, seeks her, finds her, there is no way that you could disappoint somebody more than she has disappointed him. I don't know how. I mean, that's pretty brutal. You know, she cheated on him, left him, walked away, walked away from the kids. You know, and so left, left him, you know, hanging everything, and, and then went and followed a life of prostitution and lust and sin. And not only that, but puts herself in a position to where she's now a slave and he has to go and buy her out of his own, you know, out of his own means and, and, and livelihood and wealth, has to go and buy and make sacrifice. That is the story of us all, though. For God has seen our sins and the ways that we haven't measured up, great and small. And he still saw us on the block and said, in spite of it all, I still want you. I still love you. And I'm willing to pay the ultimate price to redeem you to myself if you would only come home. 